Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 101, the podcast for marketing managers and sales professionals who are using HubSpot. My name is Ann Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you Craig? I'm good. Uh, welcome back. I know, it's been a while. Briefly. Briefly. Until- and you'll find out why. So we take another break. Yeah, look, it's probably two months since we um, last had an episode, and that was the pre-inbound. The pre-inbound. So you've been to inbound, and what's funny is we'd actually pre-recorded a bunch of episodes to kind of space out because you were away, but then we didn't get around to them. And then we've had these ideas about changing the format and actually quite radical changes, and then we thought, oh, we'll get that in place, and it's taken a lot longer than. We thought. It has been a lot Probably of Probably because I've totally overcomplicated it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting off one that we can chew and it's just a busy time. So I guess this episode is, we've called it the interim episode because we are recording this on the 15th of November. Yeah, the ones we re- recorded before you went to inbound, we're actually going to play them in the coming weeks kind of to fill in. Then we're kind of hoping mid-December to, um, well, launch or reveal our new kind of format on um, HubShots. Correct. So thanks, and thanks also to listeners who actually asked where we were. It's always nice when people miss us, isn't it? I know, it is nice to be missed. <laughs> With the new format, we're going to have some interviews mixed in there. With uh, One of the ones is going to be from Pete Caputa, the CEO of Databox. Yes, that's all been recorded and edited and ready to go. We've just got to get that into the new format. And Craig, something else is new. Yes. Your wife has a book. She has, yes, she's just had a book published, so very excited about that. And um, it's got nothing to do with HubSpot, but... Everything to do with chocolate. Everything to do with chocolate, that's right. And we just haven't put a plug in that. So um, we've got a link uh, in the show notes uh, to my wife's uh, new book. And what's it called, Craig? It's called How to Be Thin in a World of Chocolate. Fantastic. It's a great title, isn't it? (laughs) It's a really well-produced book. Oh, yeah, lovely book. I think you can read it in an afternoon. It's great. It's short and it's kind of like an anti-diet, anti-fad, anti-misery guide. It's great. It's very funny. And uh, if people are interested in, well, please buy it. We'd love you to buy it because, you know, authors make no money. So, you know, just any support is good. But if you're looking for something to do just to help with a click, you can actually add it to your Goodreads want to read list. Just by doing that, this is the, these are the things you find out when you go into investigating marketing and publishing, which I've never done, right? Just by Goodreads is such a big influence on publishing and, and things like that. So just by adding to that on the want to read list, you'd be doing my wife a big favor. So please, please do that if you can, if wow. you're interested. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So in this episode, we're going to learn about some HubSpot marketing cleanses that you can do. And these are things that we find in people's accounts as we look at it. Uh, we're doing one for sales as well. And then you'll hear about our 10 tips to do with the holiday season and then what we're reading and what's going on. So that's what to look forward in this episode. I love the name Marketing Cleanse or HubSpot Cleanse. That's, that's right. That's kind of, yeah. So Craig, do you want to kick that off? Yeah. What is our first one? I thought we'd focus on content settings. And so this is typically, as you said at the start, this is what we we see a lot of customer portals. We go in and we go, oh, okay. And we've lately been getting this question, so what, what should we look at? And these are kind of some of the top things we look at to go, oh, okay, tick, 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 make sure you got these in line. Content settings is where I always start. Correct. So I go through that. And today in this episode, we're just going to talk about some email setting. And so I'll walk you through. So the first one is email size. So this is when you go into you're around your content menu settings and then you go into the email section. I've seen this email size. I always set, I'm interested to know if you do this. I always set the border, body, padding to zero. 
So I set the width to 600 and I set the padding to zero. And the reason I do that is because I like to control it at the template level. Whereas if you've got a padding in place, it's normally about 30, I think, by default, there's nowhere to go minus 30 or it's much harder to control. So those spaces around, I like to add them in manually. So you get templates. So that's a, that's a key one. And I know this frustrates a lot of people. They kind of say, oh, how do I get rid of this spacing in all these email templates? That's the way to do it. So that was the first one. Excellent. Tip two, email low engagement. So now this is actually not enabled or it is enabled by default. It is by default, yes. So what we're trying to say is don't enable it. I untick it by default in the settings because I like to set it individually on campaigns. And the reason I untick it by default globally is because quite often when you're creating workflow emails, you just go through and you miss that's ticked on by default. Now you never want, uh, well, very rarely, a workflow automation email to be blocked going out because it's normally for a sign up or something like that. So if they're low engagement and they've actually signed up for something and then in a workflow, you don't want them to not receive that. So that's my tip there. So that's a great tip. Now, tip three is the email resubscription. So make sure you enable this. Otherwise, people who have previously opted out can never opt back in again. This is a real trap, you know, and, and I think it's off by default. Yes. Uh, I don't know if that's changed in new portals, but it's, yeah, it's been off in most portals. Exactly. Another thing to obviously do is then check the email to make sure that Mm. it's correct. So you can, there's an option to edit the email just below. By the way, we've got screenshots for all of these in the uh, show notes. So basically what you should do is just get the show notes and we'll go through these tips and just make sure what you've got is kind of matching what we've got in the screenshots. All right. And tip four, Craig? Just click tracking. I think most people know to put on email click tracking by default globally, uh, but some people don't. And then they wonder why they can't see click stats in email reports. All right. Tip number five. This is a big one that we see and it's email types. Make sure you set up all your email types and then use them in your emails. So for example, Craig, in your portal, we can see you've got types like newsletters, uh, blog updates, resources, Hubshots notifications is yes. in there. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you why this is important. You know, at the bottom of emails, you see that manage email preferences and people go, oh, what's that? Email preferences go through where you can tick which ones you want to receive. They're, those are email types. And when we explain this to people, they go, ah, that's what that is. I was always wondering how I could get those preferences set up. Email types. And so that's friend. really important because they might actually choose to unsubscribe from something that is unrelated to what they want. And, but they might actually choose to remain on, say, example, the blog, but they might not actually want to hear news about exactly right. um, sales. If it's uh, resources, people want to get those notifications. If it's sales promotions, often they don't. So, yeah. Tip number six, Craig? All right. The final one just from email settings to highlight is personalization defaults. So this is, you know, how you typically start an email, hi, first name. If the first name isn't there on the contact, you just want to fall back. So we set it to there. So it says, hi there. You can choose what you want. Uh, but important to set that globally because then it affects everything, emails, also smart content and things like that. And now tip number seven, this is a report setting. And um, this is not enabled by default before previous dates. So check your account. But it's actually to filter bots out from your reporting. And this is really important because it doesn't skew your data. Yes, and then the, the final one just from on the marketing side in report settings again, exclude IPs. You can decide whether what you want to do. Most people want to exclude internal traffic from Correct. their HubSpot stats, and I tend to agree that that's probably the best thing to do. Now, on to our HubSpot sales cleanse of the week. We've got a few in here. 
I'll start with the first one. So if you go into uh, sales and you go settings, the first thing you'll see is actually contacts and companies. One thing that was here that um, really stood out to me was to sync record ownership between contacts and companies. So this is any unknown company in the system will assign itself to the first known owner or contact. So anything doesn't remain unassigned. Tip number two, make sure you set up your branding in sales. This is important, especially for meetings and so on. It does not work in sales and you've got to be having some version of sales pro or sales starter for this to work. Else you will get the default HubSpot branding. Yeah, that's a good one. But definitely set that up. Tip number three, prospect notifications. So this is not on and you need to actually do this. It's not just a matter of clicking something. You actually need to go to the prospects within sales tools and set up the notification first or the view and then set up the notification. Then you can actually subscribe to the notification and the emails. And it's quite interesting because I probably did this automatically at some point in time. And then I went through some of our portals and I went, oh, it's not there. And there's a bit of a process to get it there. So I've just highlighted that because that's actually really valuable, especially if people are visiting the site and they're revisiting or maybe they visit a particular page. Really helpful to understand. Yeah, I think this is a really good one. You know, I'd actually go back a step because most portals we go into or when we're talking with people, we say, oh, so let's talk about the prospects tool and there's this blank look on there. And what's the prospects tool? You show them the prospects tool and it's like, oh, that's fantastic. So then your tip, oh, by the way, you know, you can get notification. That's even more fantastic. You know, it's kind of like prospect tool itself is kind of a, a hidden tip. We could almost just have a tip, which is check out the prospect tool. Yes. Because you know, it's, it's such a cool tool. All right. The next thing that we find often that's not done is people have not connected meetings to their calendar so obviously this works with google calendar and office 365 if you're using those systems definitely connect it because it'll help you and save you time if people are going what time can i meet you and you're like picking day times in your calendar whereas you could just say here's the meeting link just book a time you know what the whole meeting link thing we discussed this many episodes ago when i was kind of like i don't like people saying oh book time in my calendar it's kind of like oh well, you're pushing that back on me. You're making no effort. So it's like, here's my calendar, you know, fit in with me kind of thing. I was like, oh, I don't like this approach. And I still don't like it, right? But it's becoming the norm. And so the, the whole idea of a meeting calendar I, uh, or a meeting calendar link, I think, is becoming more the norm. So, yeah, take advantage of it. And, you know, I just need to get over myself, I think. <laughs> All right. And tip number five, Craig, which is our final tip. This is actually to do with the prospects tool. And I would actually periodically go in there, have a look and see the prospects and look at the companies in there that have had multiple visits and multiple page views and see which URLs are actually of interest to you and add them to your CRM so that you can actually track and see what's going on. It is There is information in there as to when people visited, when was the last visit, etc. And it's something that we often will ignore but I encourage you to go and have a look because you might actually find some gold in there. Now, everything's not great, but you will actually find some gold in there. And I've highlighted one that I found in one of our portals. So have a look. Well worth it. Great tips. Now, you know what's interesting about almost all of those tips? Not all of them, but almost all of them. They've been there for ages. Over and over again, we go into client portals and, yeah, these are things are overlooked. So hopefully, listeners, that's helpful for you. And just quickly review all of those. Go through the screenshots, check that, uh, check that you've done those in your portals. I think you would have just done an 80-20 on HubSpot <laughs> by doing that. Seriously, you get most of those in line and you've, you're ahead of most of the portals that we visit. 
All right, Craig, on to our marketing tip of the week. You know what? What's if people wanted help? We actually have this review product or service that we're offering. So we've got a link in the show notes about that because... So don't be afraid to reach out for help if you have no idea. Want to go deeper dive onto that, yeah. Marketing tip of the week, Craig? You know what? I just thought it was time, and this was prompted because we're going through Hotjar for a, a client this morning. And uh, it's like, yep, oh, what's the homepage? Where do they click? Where do they always click? About. About. What's on the menu? About. That's where people go. So marketing tip of the week is just a reminder. We've covered this many times in the show, but just another reminder. Get your About page up to date. Make it work for you. All right. Now on to our opinion of the week, Craig. And this is from Gizmodo. Facebook knows everyone you've ever met before. I guess the lack of privacy thereafter. And no surprises, I think, to most listeners that Facebook knows everything about you. But the mindset shift that some people don't realize is they want to be private with their own data. So the reason Facebook knows so much about you is because everyone just uploads all their contact data. You know, it's kind of like that's the big insight. They, uh, Facebook, of course, buy so many data sources and pile it all together. We know that. But just everyone uploads their, their contacts to Facebook. So you might think, well, I'm not loading up my contacts, so Facebook won't know about me. And it's kind of like, yeah, but everyone else does, and you're in their contacts list, right? And this is the big mind. Oh, people suddenly realise. And so this is the thing. You actually have no control over your privacy. You protect all your contact lists. You protect what you're doing. Other people aren't protecting your privacy, and so it gets uploaded. And I think that's the thing that people are starting to realize now. And so there's two takeaways from this. One is what, what does it mean for you? And for you, it means you have no privacy. <laughs> the days of privacy are over. You've got no chance, no matter how protective you are yourself. But two, what does this mean for marketers? And what this means is that the targeting abilities are actually getting better and better. Like, And there's so many data sources and so many people providing that as a marketer, you need to be thinking less about broadcast and more about specific niche and targeting because the tools are there to do it and so that's really the opinion of the week there to to be thinking through there's also an element of responsibility we've discussed before that with this much targeting you can be targeted but you've got to be responsible with that and i think it's interesting we're looking at the prospecting tool just you know in some of the tips earlier and it's like even then you know that's anonymized but your journey starts and it's tracked. You have no privacy. Everything you do and go is being tracked and then pulled together at some point when it's personally identified to you. All right, Craig, on to our creative top 10 of the week. And this is 10 reminder ideas for marketing tactics that you need to review leading up to the holidays. So if you haven't already done this, it's a good time to actually start. Tip number one, Facebook. Check audiences and campaigns that are running. Yeah, by the way, these aren't kind of tips or new ideas. These are just reminders. You're coming into the holidays, just go through these again because it's amazing how many of these we just don't do. We kind of go, oh, yeah, I knew about that. I knew about that. But, yeah, Facebook, check your audiences. When when was the last time you checked your audiences, dear listener, of, of your target customer? Number two, Instagram, test some sponsored posts. And the reason we added this is because if you're a B2B business, you might have said, oh, I'm holding off on Instagram. It's, it's way past that. B2B is huge on Instagram. You should be there. That's right. Number three, we're talking about AdWords here. Create remarketing and retargeting lists and check your ad types. So, Ian, what's the difference between remarketing and retargeting? So remarketing, Craig, is where people visit your site. They don't convert or fill out the form. There isn't a conversion action associated with it. Maybe there is a conversion action associated with it. And then you show them your ads as they browse around the web. And you do that in a very 
kind manner, not blast them with the ads. Retargeting, on the other hand, is where you can actually upload your list into AdWords and you can then retarget those people with ads. So they generally would be people that have dealt with you at some point in time or you've got their details to actually do that. Right. So remarketing might be more pixel-based, but retargeting could actually be personally identifiable. Correct. Based. Exactly. Okay. Number four, Twitter. So check your conversion tracking on this again and the campaigns you're running. Yeah, so a lot of people who did early Twitter campaigns that when conversion tracking wasn't really there um, might still be running those campaigns. Conversion tracking's improved considerably, so get into that. Yep, Facebook. This is a really interesting one. Set a video header. Yeah, I don't know if most people are aware of this, but you can set video headers on your pages now, so just go and do those, and uh, it's a nice little interactive experience. That's right, and when you do that, just check the quality because I've seen a few and they've been atrocious. (laughs) Really? I wonder if they get better engagement. (laughs) My goodness, this is so bad. I'm going to watch it. All right. Now we're on to LinkedIn, Craig. Yes. Upload some native video to your profile. I mean, LinkedIn's really favoring native video. It's only on personal profiles, not on pages yet, but that'll come, I'm sure. Yes. I think the interesting thing there is, especially in those update emails that people get, um, the video seems to really, like the video that they put in there or the picture they put on the video really stands out because it's about four times bigger than anything else. All right, number seven, YouTube. Review your videos and tweak the first description line. Yeah, so this is less safe for mobile. It's more for desktop, but I still notice that people don't take advantage of that one because in, when you're looking at a YouTube video, you kind of get that description line and so just make sure you're taking advantage of that, whether it's a link or a call to action. Number eight. Update your website about page. Yes, that's straight from our tip of the week earlier. And number nine, add conversion linker tag in Google Tag Manager. So tell us about this. This is a cool thing that you showed me today. That's right. So this is actually to do with um, as Apple has released its new version of software and tries to limit tracking of people when they're surfing the web, this actually helps you get around that. It's very clever. So it's a native Google Tag Manager tag which basically grabs cookies and puts it into a first-party cookie on the site. So it's a little bit sneaky and so <laughs> it's nice. But it's kind of like when Safari announced, you know, we're blocking tracking, I was like, yeah, that's great for me. Oh, not as a marketer. <laughs> and then Google Tag Manager does this and I'm like, oh, that's great for me as a marketer. Oh, not good as a person, but that's the war on privacy. Exactly. So I think with this, it's important. Go review all of your accounts. If you're not using Google Tag Manager, have a look, consider using it. It's actually change the way we do a lot of things for our customers and it keeps it really clean and the very last one craig update headers banners on social and your site to highlight the holiday offers that you've got i think this is a great tip and another great reminder you know this is not like oh that's amazing this is like oh duh you should be doing it and basically the headers should be relevant and so make use of them don't just let them go start that's right so think of it like banner blindness Mm. if i keep seeing everything i'm preaching to myself here you know, you kind of just tune out. You kind of go, well, why should I go there? So I would actually encourage you, not even just for this holiday season, but even ongoing, maybe change them on a monthly basis so people that do visit your site go, oh, there's something new or highlight different things that you're really good at or that you actually can help people with. All right, Craig, on to our app of the week. Now, this is an app that um, I read about a while back, but you're actually using it. It's called Memento. Tell me more. Yeah, so I'm... You know, I don't like to share much socially and I'm getting less and less, but I do like to save and keep stuff for myself. So I was actually thinking of creating myself an Instagram account and just private to me. 
because I love keeping a track of all these things, almost like journaling. Keeping, yes. I take photos of heaps of things just to keep, uh, remind myself about stuff. So I really like that. Uh, but I just don't like sharing it with people when, frankly, I don't think they'd care either. You know, here's a picture of my breakfast. You know, who cares? I do like to keep track of all of that kind of stuff. And even the shows I watch, I take photos of the shows I'm watching or the books I'm reading. I just like to do that. So this is an app. It's iPhone only, but it's completely private. It's only on my phone. It can't be shared. I can't even share it with you. It's just on my phone. It's like a daily journal or thing. So, so what, what makes that different to, for example, in photos on your iPhone where you could it might organise a week and take the pictures and well, videos? It, it is kind of like that but with added things like keeping notes and locations and it hooks in with other apps. So I use Moves, which is just a thing that tracks my position and travel and stuff, so that gets pulled into it. It does pull in from my other streams as well. So occasionally I share on Twitter and Instagram and others and it does pull in that kind of stuff. So it kind of has this rolling journey or journal actually of what i'm doing that i can go back and look at and it's got a bunch of features it's been around for years so it's a very mature app now you know it'll remind me what i was doing a year ago i like that and you know i'm taking photos and you know i just took photos of us before you know when we we're planning the episode oh here's a photo of us. like i'm not going to share that with people people don't care but i like to keep a, a record of that excellent all right I'll actually that. i'll make another comment on that yeah. i actually think that's going to become more common i don't think i'm the only one that's like no. that. this oversharing and the only thing I would say about it is uh, in some ways I would like to be able to share some stuff, say with my wife, you know, she could get access to it, not that she'd be interested in what I was eating for breakfast, right, but I actually think there's going to be, you know, even in Messenger we've moved to this very one-to-one or one-to-small group and I think this kind of thing is going to change and I know even people are using Instagram for that small sharing mm. kind of thing, very protected, and I think there's going to be more and more of that and I think apps like this will become more popular I don't think this is the ultimate app. I think it's the app for me at the moment, but yes. I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes. And the reason we've included it in the show is because it's around privacy. It's around that protective piece. Fantastic. On to our resource of the week, Craig. And this is about HubSpot's research into content preferences. So we've got a, we've got a link to some slides that they've got there. But what's really interesting is how small tablet usage is. This is a great one. And by the way, we've got screenshots in here in the show notes highlighting this. But, yeah, I was surprised at tablet usage. It's kind of like less than 10% for most people. I know, which is really interesting because when you think about it, and they've broken this down by age groups, what's really interesting is that obviously mobile is playing a really heavy part. Then there's computers and laptops, which we understand. But tablets, it's tiny compared to the others, which really surprised me considering the number of bigger tablet-sized devices that people have, you know, with larger iPads and larger yeah. notes. I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I remember when um, Apple was releasing their larger, their plus-size phone, the 6S Plus or whenever it came out, and the commentary at the time was, oh, are Facebook's actually going to cannibalise their iPad use? Um, you know, they're eating into their own market with the iPad. And I think Apple's response was, well, that's fine because, you know, we think it's the best thing for the consumer, let's say. And that's true. I think that is what's happened. The larger phones have eaten into it. But I was surprised at how big because I use my iPad all the time. Oh, do you? To read, yeah. And my wife does as well. And isn't it funny you get into that mindset of thinking, well, what I do is what other people do. It's not the case. Everyone's on their phones. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of wiped out the whole tablet use. Accessibility has trumped it, I think. Mm. It's whatever you have in your pocket or your hand. Exactly. All right, the next insight is video is big with young consumers. 
Yeah, so this is around content consumption of types and video as we know, you know, everyone talks about video, blah, blah, blah. But the item that we're highlighting here is that email is still bigger in, in the older age groups as well. So I think it's easy to fall into the trap of going, oh, the young kids are watching video. Oh, everyone's watching video. We've got to do tons more video, but then potentially neglect the effectiveness of email. And it's highlighted here that the older age groups, and we're kind of talking 35 plus because they're old these days, Ian. 35 plus, you're old. Um, there is uh, a preference for email. So don't neglect that. Do it well. Yes. Yeah, so I think understanding this is understanding your persona and understanding who you're talking to and how they interact with the content that you're, you're providing. So I think this is a really key piece of research that you need to delve in a bit more and understand and use it. Like understand with those personas, where should I be spending time communicating with them? They ask the question, if you like a certain brand, how do you prefer to engage with them? It's up around the 70%. You know, by far, the most popular is go to their website. Watch their videos was lower and like them on Facebook, of course, and things like that, but go to their website. Where do you think they go on their website? Well, we know from our testing, go to the About page. So, yeah, another reminder there. You know what's interesting in looking at this? One of the things, obviously, sign up on emails, which kind of trended on a up, when I say upward trend, if we're looking at the younger age groups, mm. they were less likely to sign up for emails, whereas the older age groups are more likely to. But when you say follow them on Instagram, it massively skewed the other way where younger people would quite happily follow people or follow businesses on Instagram and the older it got, the less likely they were to. It is quite a marked difference. I'd love to see this same graph in a year's time. Yeah. I think it'll totally change. Yes. Because even, you know, even my parents who are pretty new to anything really social, they, they, they know what Instagram is. Right, And so they're not on Instagram themselves, but they do understand it. And so that awareness is there. And so it's not long before this changes. By comparison, they'll never know what Snapchat is, right? But they will know it Instagram. So, yeah, that'll change. Encourage you all to have a look at that. On to our quote of the week, Craig. To do with privacy. <laughs> and this is from Marlon Brando. The late Go on, I'll let you, the I'll, let you, I'll let you hit it up. We put this in as a bit of a lull. Here's what Marlon Brando said the late great Marlon Brando, privacy is not something I'm merely entitled to. It's an absolute prerequisite. That's the quote. And we're just kind of like, yep. No. <laughs> not happening. Not happening. All right. On to our bonus links of the week, Craig. We've got something here about a reminder about personas and why it's really important. And there's a comprehensive guide from Smart Bug Media. Yeah, Smart Bug Media, massive uh, HubSpot partner in the US, doing great work. And that article on personas is fantastic like it's the most comprehensive article i've seen it's fantastic read and we've got another one which is a good example and this is from cognitive seo a good example of mixing education and promotion in a post yeah so they're an seo tool and that's exactly right always in-depth posts but plenty of plugs to their products they do it well good mix well craig here ended the show we'd love to hear your, hear your feedback and as we lead up towards Christmas and the holiday season. Yes, we will be with you next week, won't we? That's right, we will. <laughs> it's good to be back for a bit. Thanks again for the people who did ask what we're up to. Keep the comments coming. See you soon. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.